Well, what's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and just having a wonderful weekend. Happy Sunday to you. Uh, before I get rolling in my message, I have a couple of super important things I want to share with you. One is on your seat next to you. If you haven't yet uh, gotten one of our Building a Legacy cards, uh, these are the cards that we're allowing everybody to make a pledge and a commitment over the next 12 months. And, and we've been talking about this for the last several weeks. Uh, so if you don't have one of these yet, we'd encourage you to just take a look at that and pray and consider how God might use you uh, to give to Building a Legacy, because what we're doing uh, is amazing. What God is doing is so encouraging, and so for us as a church, this is a huge step forward. Uh, a couple of months ago, we announced like, hey, we've got a contractor, and, and we have a bank on board, and we're going to go towards permitting, and, and we're doing that. There have already been several permits uh, that have been pulled. Several subcontractors are all under contract and just waiting for the, for the go, and, and man, we are so excited. So now, you know, you and I get to plan as a church uh, for 12 months from now when we get to move in, and so what we're doing is uh, we're laying out a campaign to raise $317,000 uh, for all of the furniture, furnishings, equipment, things that we're going to need inside of the building, uh, and so that's what this capital campaign is all about. It's our Building a Legacy Phase 2 capital campaign, so take a look at that. And then I know many of you have already turned these in, which is awesome, and many of, have, many of you have already started giving, which is amazing. But if you haven't yet, I would encourage you, this, we asked people to start bringing them in last week and this week. Uh, that way we could kind of get a total and know how much uh, we're taking a look at, and we'll certainly let you know uh, where we're at, at with that. But I also want to challenge you, if you are not yet giving uh, to Grace Church, I want to encourage you to take that step. Uh, to begin giving back to the Lord and, and taking, you know, some of what he gives to you and give to him first. And it's a big deal. It's really important for us and just to surrender our finances and everything that we have uh, towards him. So take that and, and uh, you can turn that in into the Connection Center or you can turn it in one of the boxes uh, in the back of the auditorium. The other thing I wanted to share with you is uh, right now in the life of our church, we have a few of our teams that could really use some help. Uh, we have a few teams where we have some holes and some spots uh, where we need some people to step up and to step in and to begin serving. So if you've been coming to Grace Church for a little while and you're not yet on a team, uh, there's a couple of teams I want to highlight uh, for you. One is definitely our GC Kids uh, department. That's one of our biggest teams uh, where we have the most volunteers, and so we're always needing to, to integrate great people uh, that can not only work with kids but also work behind the scenes and do some administrative stuff so you don't have to just be with kids, but we definitely have some spots uh, for you to be, whether it's serving in first service or second or however that works for you, uh, but then also our first impressions team. Uh, that's probably our second biggest team, uh, and we have a number of spots where we would love to, to plug you in, to be involved, uh, and, and, and be involved in, in, on those teams. And then the other thing I want to share with you, since you're here at second service, uh, one of our teams is also our teardown team. So our setup team comes at 730. Uh, the band comes, setup team comes, sets everything up, and then we do mid-service teardown. So right now, while you and I are here, there's people that are taking a few things down. But then after the second service, we tear the rest of the stuff down. And so if you're, since you're here, if you have some time you know, after the second service, we would love to integrate you uh, maybe once a month or twice a month on that teardown team, and we can show you what to do. You don't have to have big muscles like I do. Uh, you can actually take everything down, and it's not that hard, I promise, uh, but we'd love to integrate you on one of those teams or serve on a different team just because we want you to be used, you know, the way God has equipped you uh, in the best way and best form. So we'd love to have you uh, be involved in that way. So last week we launched on a brand new series called Stories, and Stories is 
basically the parables of Jesus. You know, so when you understand a parable, it's a, a story with a deep meaning behind it. And so I love, love, love when Jesus would teach and speak. And, you know, you have to dive down in and be like, what is he talking about? What is the, what is the meaning behind this? What does this mean for me? Because there's just so many times when he did that in Scripture. It just is so revelatory. So we're going to be diving in deep into some of those things. And, and so the whole goal, though, just to, to be up front, is, is that we would not only know Jesus and know his teachings, but then apply them to our lives. Like, we don't just want to know the stuff, but we literally want to take it and have those principles lead our decisions and lead our lives that we're constantly thinking the way Jesus did and applying that in our lives. And so when you understand, though, when you read some of the parables, uh, many of them are about the judgment of God. And that's what's really hard sometimes. It's hard for you and I to, to come and, and face some of the, the struggles that we deal with in our sin. And, and it's like, man, but, but here's the deal. Here's why that is. After Jesus had given the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest recorded sermon that Jesus ever gave, right? So you have Matthew, like chapters 5, 6, and 7, so several chapters. Jesus is teaching thousands upon thousands of people, incredible message, like just amazing. What happened shortly thereafter is several of the religious leaders and the Pharisees, they came and they confronted Jesus. They said, you're a demon, you come from demons, all your teachings are, you know, from demonic, and they're, you're bad and wrong, and, and so Jesus was like, all right, you know, if you're not going to hear what I'm saying, then, and, and so there's a scripture, a passage uh, in there where it says, from that point forward, Jesus began teaching in parables, and so what happened is, those parables, they were difficult, if not impossible, for certain people to understand what Jesus was talking about in the depth. And so what was hard is the, the, the religious leaders is the ones that they did understand Jesus or they realized that Jesus was talking about them and they got mad and they're like, we want to kill you. And so, it was, you know, it was just this constant battle between the religious leaders and Jesus and, and with the parables. And, and so then there were several times when the disciples that, that believed in Jesus, he would teach parables, but they wouldn't understand and so later on, you know, when, when the crowds had kind of gone away, the disciples would go, what in the world does that mean? And, and I get that. I totally understand that. Many times, you know, we do that in our lives. And so Jesus would teach them and explain. And so what we need, though, is we need and we have the Holy Spirit, which is wonderful. It's just this incredible when we can read a passage of Scripture and the Holy Spirit speaks to us through this passage. And so I just want to encourage you with that. We're going to pause right now. We're going to pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to do just that. Because, you know, when we can have God speaking in our life, that's amazing. And so let's pause and pray. And so, God, we come before you. Father, thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, would you come as we read Scripture, as we just take a look at some things that Jesus was, te was teaching. Uh, Lord, would you just reveal to us how it, how it applies to our lives uh, and how we can use it effectively. And so, God, thank you so much. Right now, we open up our minds, our hearts, our lives, our spirits towards you, and we want to be willing to hear what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the parable that we're going to focus on, the story uh, that we're going to take a look at, is in Luke chapter 16. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke 16. If you have a mobile device or a Bible app, go open up to Luke 16. And so this is the story about the rich man and Lazarus. And so Jesus... He taught about this specific subject matter multiple times. Uh, in fact, he knew that people would be going there. Uh, in fact, he, he knew that religious people would end up in this place. 
And so the story of the rich man and Lazarus is all about hell. And so unfortunately, far too many religious folks, they think that they have it all together. But the fact is that they're missing it entirely. So if you think that you and God are good, this message is for you. Uh, because Jesus was very, very intentional all the time about who he spoke to, the crowd, the people, the person, and what he taught about. Extremely important. In fact, just, just this past week, I was uh, reading scripture with one of my sons. Uh, he, he, I, I'm, I'm reading in John right now, in John chapter 4. And, and so that's the, we, we read that together. It's the story about the, the Samaritan woman at the well. And, and so one of the things in there, it says how Jesus had to travel through Samaria. And, and I explained to my son that he had to, to go through that spot, but he wanted to go to this particular place, to this well, at this certain time because he, he knew that this woman was going to be there. And so I explained, I was like, he had to see her. And you could just, it was just amazing to see, you know, my 10-year-old just kind of light up and go, wow, he had to go see her because then she had to go and tell the other people in her village about Jesus. And I was like, that's exactly right, buddy. It was so cool. And so Jesus was very intentional about who he spoke to, where, and when. And in fact, Jesus even said this, said this about himself in Luke 19, verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And so the realities of heaven and hell were very real to Jesus. Very real. In fact, he lived in eternity before he came and had his time here on earth. He existed and he began, he, he existed before time. And so he saw both heaven and hell being prepared. He understood that, that hell was prepared for angels and demons. Hell wasn't prepared for people. That, that's just, that's the reality of it. Heaven was prepared for those who would follow after God, for those who would follow after Jesus, for those who, who would make Jesus their personal Lord and Savior. And it's so interesting when we begin to dive deep in, into what's communicated in this passage of Scripture. But let me ask you a question. If you'd be willing to raise your hand just in response. How many of you have ever found yourself in a place where you felt like you didn't belong? Maybe you walked into a party or, you know, maybe you walked into work on a Monday. I don't know. You're like, I don't belong here. Yeah, just about all of us. We walk into a place and we don't feel comfortable. We don't feel safe. We didn't feel like we belong. I know one time, uh, maybe more than one time, that I, I've gone shopping with my wife. And uh, so one of the things she loves to do is she, she enjoys shopping. So I'll spend time with her. We'll go. We'll look at stuff and, you know, try things on. And, like, and so this one time I can remember we, I, I was sitting outside of, of the, the, the fitting room. And, and so the, for us husbands and guys, we know there's always one chair outside of the fitting room, isn't there? And that chair's for us. We know it. In fact, if it's not there, we're frustrated. Like, we want that chair there. We know. And so we know that that place, that's my spot. So I go, you know, you know and, and we, she's trying to close on. I, I, I sit down. But here's the deal. Like, I can't remember just this one time. Like, I was sitting down there, and I just, like, I felt like I didn't belong there in that place. And that's what hell is going to feel like. And so hell is a real place. And it's prepared. And so Jesus, he is the best teacher ever. Like it's amazing to get and understand. And so as we dive into this scripture, we have to understand the way Jesus is communicating is genius. Like this is brilliant how he lays this parable out in this story 
that you and I get to take a look at and break down this morning. And so let's take a look at Luke chapter 16, verse 19, starting in verse 19. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's tables, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and he and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead. And that word right there, the dead, is Hades or hell. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So as he is here being comforted and you are there in anguish. And beside there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. The rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And so that's a, a big story of what Jesus is telling about a rich man and a poor man. And this is like, there's, this is so amazing. There's so much depth to this. I mean, right out of the gate, we, we notice the comparisons, right? There's a comparison between the rich man and Lazarus. And, and, and then after they both pass, there's a, a role reversal. Like it switches when they encounter eternity. And so the rich man in this life, he's feasting, he's wealthy, he's got nice clothes. And the poor man, he longs for the scraps from the rich man's table because he's got nothing, he's hungry. But then in the eternity, the poor man, he gets this heavenly banquet, right? And we can just let our mind wander and think, imagine what that's like. You know, for me, it's, it's a steak and sushi and chocolate fondue. I don't know what it's like for you, but, you know, the, the, I mean, he gets this incredible banquet. And the rich man... He can't even get a bottle of water to quench become thirst from the heat that he's experiencing. And so the nobody becomes somebody, and the somebody becomes nobody and forgotten. And the thing that's interesting about this is, you know, you have a rich man and a poor man, but the poor man is Lazarus, and, and, and he has a name. It's just, this, is so, this is so profound. We've got to understand this. And the reason that he has a name is because the names are written in the book of life. It's very clear in Scripture at the second coming of Christ. We have a new heaven and a new earth. There's new roles. There's eternity. And each name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But then there's also names that have been blotted out. And the reason those names are written is because heaven is a relational place. There'll be this connection, you know, with God and with others. And, and the rich man, he has no name. Because there, there is no relationship in hell. There's no name in hell. 
Like, you're not going to be hanging out with other people, listening to ACDC and drinking JD. Like, that's, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's going to be like. It's total isolation. It's complete anguish. It's torment forever. And so there's a few things that I want to just pull from this parable that, that the Lord gives to us. And, and so the first thing is that everyone gets the same scenario. That's my first point. If you want to jot that down, everyone gets the same scenario. And here's the scenario. We all get our life, then we all die, and then we face eternity. That, like everyone is the same thing. It's that three-step process. It's, it is literally that simple. And so the rich man you know, he dressed nice every day. It, Jesus goes very, like into detail that he even wore purple clothes, which purple was kind of a royalty type color, and it was very expensive during that time to get those type of dyes for the clothing. And so he, he just was acknowledging that this man was constantly on display. He was all about fashion and the things that he wore. And I mean, when you look at people like this, oftentimes if they have to show to everybody that they have it all together or make it seem like they have it all together, usually behind closed doors, they're struggling. Uh, often struggling in a very significant way. That's where we you know, get the understanding where people are fake or they're putting on a mask. And, and sometimes like we even feel that way in times in our life. But he was extremely self-focused, self-absorbed. And you can even just see and understand as, as Jesus lays this the imagery out that the rich man, you know, is walking from his home down, down his driveway, walking out the gate and, and stepping over Lazarus as Lazarus is laid there, you know, at the end of his gate because this poor man is there at the end. And, and in this world, he has nothing. It seems like he's, he's just empty, broke, has all these sores, and it just, it's kind of gross how, G, how, how, how Jesus gets into such detail about the, law, the dog licking his sores, and, and him just, like, that's, that's awful. It just kind of makes our hearts sink. You know, maybe you've encountered or seen things like that before, but this, this poor man, Lazarus, is probably crippled, because what would happen is family members or others would bring people that were crippled, and they would put them in certain spots where other people would pass by, because so that way they could collect alms and donations from others. And so at the end of this rich man's driveway was probably a, a good spot where, because this man probably entertained guests, had other people at his home. So Lazarus' family, you know, put this crippled man there. And so it's so interesting, though, when you look at the depth and understand, because just because you're blessed does not mean that you're righteous. So we can have some stuff, right, some things, some possessions, but that does not mean that we are saved and are following after Christ. But then the flip side is also true. Just because you're suffering does not mean that God has rejected you. And so many times in our life we feel that way, right? We feel like we can't catch a break. We're sick. We're struggling, struggling financially. But that does not mean that God has cast us off. We're struggling maybe during this life. And then both the rich man and the poor man come to this place where they both die. And death is one thing that no one can escape. It's promised to us all. So the rich man has a funeral, probably a nice funeral. Probably a lot of people showed up to his funeral. And what do you have with Lazarus? You have this incredible detail that Jesus puts in there. That he has angels escorting him to heaven. I mean, just imagine that. Think about that. I, I've had the opportunity to prepare funerals before 
with other people just over the decades of ministry. And, you know, and, and sometimes when I'm with a, a, a family or a couple or a person that, that, that you can tell they're getting a, a little bit older and, you know, that the, that the end is coming near for them or maybe they're sick and they're struggling. And, and, and so th- those people are very, very particular with how much time they have, who they're spending time with, what they want done at the end. And, like, and so some, some people just have an understanding of what they want to do. So if they're talking about their funeral and they're making some plans, they have some very specific songs. They have some specific people that they want uh, to talk and to speak. And I, I can remember, uh, you know, sometimes we, we have to be careful, though, uh, who, who speaks at our wedding and how we are at our funeral and how we do this. Uh, th- there was one time I was involved in a funeral and, and and, and there was a, it was a large funeral. There was probably 400 people there. And, and they allowed a time of what you and I know as open mic, when, when, when anyone's allowed to come up and talk and share. And I can remember this one young lady coming up and, and talking about how the deceased person had helped her. But then she started unpacking and unloading a lot of the promiscuous activities she had been involved in and how the person helped her. And, and many of us, our eyes kind of got big and we're like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, sweet girl, please stop. Please stop for the rest of us and yourself. And so you have to be careful, right, how you plan your funeral. But here's the deal. You better make sure that you have an angelic escort to heaven when you're making your plans. Because Lazarus, he did not get the consolation prize. This wasn't like the second opportunity. This wasn't second things for him. He was an honored guest. You don't just slip into heaven. You don't just kind of slide in type thing. I mean, in this life, you may not be known, but Jesus is waiting for you. Jesus sees you as an honored guest. He, he sees your value in who you are. Though you may not be prominent, you know, with other people in public and type thing, but here's the deal. We've got to understand that the Lord sees the dignity that you and I have, and he offers that to us when we have life and eternity in heaven with him. Because the second that we die, we are going somewhere. And some people think, oh, like you just kind of go into nothingness. Like, like you, it's just the end. That nothing really happens. That you just cease to exist. You, your heart stops. Your mind stops working. You stop breathing. And just kind of that's it. Or, or, you know, people that do believe in hell, they go, oh, well, only bad people go to hell, and like I try and be really good, or, or some people will think, hey, if I just, uh, maybe I'll just do some time in purgatory for the bad things I've done and kind of earn my way back into heaven. Here's the deal. None of that's true. None of it. That is not true at all. Those are false beliefs that are made up by people. You are instantly there. There is no reincarnation, because when we read these scriptures as Jesus was talking about it, both these men, they had complete awareness As to where they were and what was going on. They were aware of their surroundings. So every single one of us, we experience life and death and eternity. And the second thing I want to share with you is the reality that eternity is a permanent destination. And here's, I want to read these verses just one more time for you in verse 25. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing? So now he's here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. And so here you have Lazarus. He, he's in heaven. He takes on this perfect nature. That, that's what I love, just understanding that, you know, eternity in heaven is perfection. It's amazing. 
You know, it's all the things that we could ever imagine and more and, and worship with God. Right? And, and so Lazarus gets comforted and he has this relationship with the Lord that he always longed to have. But then hell is not a second chance to get it right. That's not how it works. It's not like, hey, I failed the course and now I'm going to take summer school. Like, it's, that's not what it is. In he- there is no Bible in hell. There is no Holy Spirit that's drawing us to conversion. What we take with us to hell is only our dysfunction. And there's some depth to this that we've got to just extrapolate and understand because when we realize, you know, when hell was created and, and what it was designed for, Lucifer was sent there with his pride, right? And so in this parable, this rich man, he doesn't ask to get out. Isn't that so interesting? He doesn't ask to get out, but in his pride, what does he say? He says to Abraham, hey, Send Lazarus to dip his finger in some water so I can be quenched from these flames. And so can't you just feel the pride in that? Because this is the poor man that he had stepped over for years at the end of his drive. Oh, just go send him. Well, at least go have Lazarus tell my family so that they don't have to suffer like this too. It's like, no, 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 no. You're there with your pride and your arrogance and you're still holding on to that. But Lazarus? He's not going to do that because he's an honored guest. He's now not only just in heaven with Jesus, but he gets to sit next to Abraham, the father of many nations, and he sits there at this royal banquet. Yet this rich man still is in heaven experiencing pride. And so, man, I'll tell you what, hopefully you can feel the weight of this parable and the importance, or else Jesus wouldn't teach about it. And, and he talked about hell a number of times, uh, and we've got to understand eternity. But here's the encouraging part. Here's what the reality and, and the hope for you and I is that the, the third thing that Jesus talks about is that the word of God is enough, right, to reach people. The word of God is enough because the, the, the man says, gosh, you know, would you send Lazarus there? And, and, and Abraham says, no, 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 they've got Moses and the prophets. And, and for you and I, we not only have Moses and the prophets, but we also have the Gospels and the New Testament and the epistles and the letters to all the churches. So what Jesus did on the cross is enough. The Word, because Jesus comes in the flesh. He's the Word amongst us. He's enough for us. And so there's certain people that will think that if Oh, gosh, if, if something supernatural happened, then I would believe. Or sometimes we think that about our friends or family member. And we go, God, would you do something miraculous that they might see and experience who you are so that they can convert? God, would you part the skies and, you know, write their name? Or would you, would you raise somebody from the dead or something? Or, God, please do something miraculous, anything that they might see. And here's what Abraham is saying. Here's what Jesus is communicating. The word is enough. The prophets are enough. And I love this because even when you go deeper, Jesus is literally speaking prophetically about Lazarus. Because here's the deal. He's telling a story about a rich man and Lazarus. But a little while later, when you line the, 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 the Gospels all up chronologically and you understand how they, how they unfold, because the Gospels were written by four different men about through the Holy Spirit about their perspective on what they had experienced, right? So different ones wrote different things at different times. But when you line them all up, the reason that Jesus is speaking about Lazarus being a poor man and, and, the, and him being raised from the dead is because in John 11, the other Lazarus, 
is raised from the dead after four days of being dead. And, and so, I mean, you would think that the crowd or the religious leaders would put this together. You would think, oh my gosh, like just a little while ago, he was talking about a parable and this poor man, Lazarus, and the rich man, and oh my gosh, this is Lazarus that, that comes back to life. You would think that they would understand that it lines up a little bit. Like, whoa, at least, whoa, that's kind of cool, don't you think? No. They don't see that. They don't understand that. In fact, after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, they wanted to kill him even more. So we have to understand God's word is enough. Jesus is speaking prophetically and communicating to us. I mean, we get to hear the word of God. We get to read the word of God every single day. And so we have to have the heart that's willing to receive it. And so what this is, you know, for you and I is, is having it as a, a, every day in our life, not just leaving it on the shelf to collect us, not just having the app in our phone, not, never to read it. Like we've got to be allowing it to absorb not only our head, but our heart and our life and, and applying the scripture, you know, in our life. And, and, and then also just coming here, right? Coming to church, being part of a, a body where we get to dive into God's word and, and understand and just allow the Holy Spirit to communicate is so significant. And then us bringing somebody with us that, that we can not only hear it for ourselves, but allow somebody else to experience this. That, like, this is incredible. This is amazing. And so I just want to challenge you and encourage you. This is also us being willing to share about Jesus, sharing about Christ with those who are lost or who are struggling. They, they don't have hope. And based on the story that Jesus tells, they're going to hell. Because they don't yet know who Christ is and they're not following after him. And Jesus was speaking to religious people when he told this story. And he was very clear. You think you know the Lord by what you do, but it's not the case. And I have to just communicate to every single one of us today. You may think the things that you do are following after God, but you may not be pursuing after him for the right reasons or for the right things and surrendering your life over to Christ and recognizing because of the grace of God, because of Christ's death and our following after him, that is what allows us to get into heaven. Nothing that you and I could ever do or accomplish in this life earns our ticket to heaven. It's just not the case. And so because of the weight of a parable like this and the understanding, you know, with, with people and just for the revelatory, just scripture and word and Holy Spirit, I want to take some time right now for us uh, because it may be just maybe we needed to hear this. And so I would just ask every person here in the auditorium if you would be willing to bow your head and close your eyes because if you know that you need to turn your life over to Christ, in, in just a minute I'm going to ask that you would raise your hand. You know, nobody's looking around. I don't, I don't want you to feel embarrassed, but here's the deal. The reality of this story that Jesus told is, is very actual and literal. One day we do come to pass, and the thing that's scary is we don't know what that day is. We don't know the day or the hour. And far too many times we've heard story after story of young people whose, whose life has come to a tragic end, and we, and we mourn and we weep, and we just think, gosh, their life just seemed so short. It just seemed like there was so much more to accomplish. We, we're not promised tomorrow. But you have this moment. 
regardless of age, maturity, regardless of who you think you are, we all need to surrender to Christ and follow after him. And so if you are here and you know, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to make a commitment to follow after him. If you'd be willing to put your hand up and say, you know what, that's me. Like this is way too real. This is, this is significant. This is a big deal. Yeah, go ahead and put them up. Yes, thank you so much. This is so important. This isn't just letting this moment pass by. You know, by putting our hand up and just saying, hey, you know, I, I know I need you. God, I need you in my life. You can put your hands down. It's kind of like the time, you know, you just, you, you're surrendering to God. You're raising your hand and just saying, I, I, I'm, I'm done trying on my own. This is such a big deal. Thank you so much. And I realize some of you, you maybe didn't raise your hand or you're concerned that somebody might see you. But you know that things are not right. And so let's pray right now. And so if you had your hand up or if, you, if God is looking at your heart and you know you need to make things right, I want you to pray with me right now. Uh, not that my words are special or anything, but you can repeat after me, and I'll just kind of help you along the way. Maybe you say something like, God, I know I need you. God, I'm desperate for you. I'm tired of trying things on, on my own. In fact, I'm tired of failing on my own. God, I'm so sorry for all the things that I've done that I know are wrong, and I apologize. Would you please forgive me? all that stuff would you take away the shame and the guilt I want to be right with you and so now I put my faith in Jesus as your son because he laid his life down for me I put my faith and my hope and my trust in him alone and I surrender all that I am to him and Lord I promise to follow you I don't think I can be perfect, but I promise to follow after you in all that I am. Follow your ways. And Lord, I just want to pray just a, a blessing over all of us in this time. Lord, I ask that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, on us. Jesus, thank you so much for caring to, to be able to do a teaching and a story, a parable about a rich man and this poor man named Lazarus. And, that we would get pierced in our hearts about eternity. And so, Lord, I pray that you would empower not only us with your Holy Spirit, but you, that you would allow us to just be effective in helping others. Lord, that this would just not only be in this place for us, that we would keep it to ourselves, but this would be something that we would communicate and share. This is vitally important. Lord, and I ask that you would empower us to, with boldness, with faith and trusting and believing, allowing your word to come out of our mouth to not only penetrate us, but to impact those that are around us in our community, our friends and our family members that we know are not yet following you, that you would give us the boldness to say how important you are in our life and how you changed us. In Jesus' name.